Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is as always it's newer and i'm riding solo today i was supposed to release an episode discussing slc miami and um, beverly hills earlier with somebody else but scheduling stuff didn't work out so here we are on a sunday night and i'm i'm uh, recording this episode i feel like my audio is off hold on oh my god a little peek behind the nope everything seems to be fine okay never mind just kidding pretend i didn't do that um Anyway, so I'm just doing this on a Sunday night so that I don't forget and that I <laughs> that I actually, you know, I'm trying to be more diligent with covering these episodes or these shows every week. So I'm going to talk about Miami and Salt Lake City and Beverly Hills. I feel like Beverly Hills, there was a lot to cover. Like, I mean, talk about problematic favorites. Like, but actually, all three of these um, franchises are like ultra problematic. I mean, there's so much stuff here. And I think that all three shows right now are doing really well in terms of like classic housewives viewership, because all of these women are being absolutely absolute dog shit to each other. Um, They're being very problematic to each other, but they also seem like they genuinely like each other, like they care about each other. Um, And I think that's where Housewives really gets to shine. One of the best things that I'm seeing across the board on all three franchises is that as human beings, as human beings in the natural world, they are awful, like terrible people, like people that I would never want to associate with, absolute sociopaths, right? But as housewives, as television reality, television stars, they are functioning in a way that is so entertaining and I never want them off my television. You know what I mean? That's why – that's what is really like the – that's when you really peak on Housewives, right? Like these are not human beings that I ever wish to know in real life, but as terrible people who are interacting with each other, I would love to continue to watch this train wreck. So speaking of train wrecks, let's let's jump into Salt Lake City. The ladies go to Bermuda, and I know everybody hates Monica, but I'm sorry. As they're all packing and all this shit, Monica FaceTiming Heather with (laughs) while bleaching her mustache. I don't know if you missed the episode where I discussed uh, Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City with 
um, our my friend Amanda Hunt, but you must go back and listen to it. It's it's the name them episode because Amanda and I spent like a good 20 minutes in the start of the episode talking about life as hairy girls. And just seeing Monica, seeing a housewife come on television and, you know, bleach her mustache. What's not to love? Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, we used to watch them get like their vaginas rejuvenated. And I used to always be like, I don't understand this because I couldn't relate. Right. Um, Also, like, I don't know if I ever have the money to do that. (laughs) Also, I don't know if I need to do that, but maybe I do. I don't know. Also, I started watching these shows when I was like in my early, early 20s, late teens. You know what I mean? So my point is that it's important to see people who you feel seen with. And Monica bleaching her mustache makes me feel seen as a hairy girl. Heather obviously is horrified because she's blonde. She has no idea what it's like. Not a clue. She can maybe relate to us about other things, being a plus-size woman, all this stuff. By the way, Heather is, I want to say, not plus-size. Like, she is a mid-size woman. I don't want to get into the whole thing of, like, the differentiation between plus-size and mid-size. But I think that for a Heather is a us like in the standard of the world of like the crazy beauty standards of the West and Hollywood and all that stuff. Yes, Heather is considered plus size. But in the real world, in the rest of the world where people are just like a variety of sizes and people can't be stick figures or whatever, Heather is a mid-size to <laughs> mid-size person. Anyway, regardless, Heather is horrified that Monica is bleaching her mustache and I just love that. Um, they'll go there. One of the weirdest things was that Angie K, um, wore a bedazzled, it's not weird. One of the most fabulous things was Angie K bedazzled her zip patch. And I don't know if there is a better way of, of explaining the magic that is Angie K and actually just like a great microcosm of housewives, right? Housewives is a bedazzled zip patch, right? Like it's these women who have obvious like glaring blemishes or zits in their life, right? Just ready to erupt. They slap a patch over it. And then they're like, it's a fabulous patch. I'm going to put a bedazzled gem on it. It's if, (laughs) if Karen Huger's you have to make millions to owe millions was a zip patch. It would be Angie K's bedazzled zip patch. Anyway, um, they get there and Meredith is really the chef's kiss of this episode. Meredith, all my favorite episodes this season have had Meredith losing her mind. Meredith is allegedly under the weather, but definitely mostly on drugs. Um, she just wants a room with a tub. Nobody's giving her the room with the tub. She's tub snubbed. Um, and she is tub thumping all over the house as much as she can because she wants to be hated to. I mean, Heather and Whitney, I think not Heather, but Whitney has said before, you know, Meredith does this thing where she acts a certain way and then she uses this like sympathy to excuse the way that she's behaving. And like, that's kind of what Meredith is doing again. I mean, granted in this situation, yes, she is sick, but like, that's not a reason for you to like get the room with a tub. Um, also like while all this stuff is happening and Meredith is near death in bed, um, Whitney and we're kind of getting the a divide between Whitney and Lisa Barlow that's going to come up later. But I think that there is 
like this really interesting dynamic between Whitney, Lisa, and Heather that I'm going to pause on for now, but I will later get into because Lisa essentially gets mad that Heather tells her that Whitney told Heather that Lisa is a better person since being friends with Whitney. And I think <laughs> I think Heather is such an asshole for doing that. But Heather also doesn't help at all. When Heather tries to compliment Lisa on behalf of Whitney, rather Lisa doesn't take it well because Lisa's a lunatic. And rather than Heather helping her out, Heather's like, oh, here's my in to get Lisa and Whitney to not be friends. And that's We'll get more into that, but there's a whole dynamic. I have a whole psychoanalysis. I mean, it's maybe it's not that interesting, but there's a psychoanalysis to be made about this Lisa Whitney Heather situation. Um, but speaking of, you know, people that are losing their minds and people that are maybe not being great friends is Monica. So Monica goes to check on Meredith. She collects some information and then she comes and spills that information in a very different way than what Meredith says. Meredith, yes, is rightfully unhinged. And she says, I have zero respect from these women. And then uh, Monica comes back and she's like, Meredith is pissed because she says you guys all treat her like shit all the time. (laughs) Oh, it's good. It's good. That's, again, terrible person, but good housewifery. They do a rum tasting. We do get this insight into Monica, which is that Monica didn't start drinking until her 30s. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I never really, I never drank alcohol before um, until my mid to thirties. Um, I, you know, I'm not a person who partakes in much of anything. And it's interesting because I do think that I've seen this happen in a lot of my friend groups. Um, and as a result, I've kind of learned that like, if I'm going to have alcohol, it needs to be like one maybe one and a half cocktails and then that's it. And like, I really need to be eating a lot because I've seen friends who didn't start drinking until their thirties do crazy stuff. And I think that Monica might be in that phase of her life. Um, They do this rum tasting and Lisa's being shady with Whitney. Whitney's not picking up on it because Whitney is Whitney. Um, They get glam. Well, they get glam, but Meredith gets embalmed. She looks like she's getting ready for her funeral. Um, she looks like she's on her literal deathbed. Um, and once she gets into her best glam possible, she goes to dinner, doesn't eat, and just has the most gigantic glasses of wine I have ever seen in my life, um, which, again, as a real-life human being, concerns me. But as a housewife, I love it. Um. When they're on their way to dinner, this is where Meredith really lets them have it about the bathtub. And somehow it goes from bathtub to Angie versus Meredith and something about Heather spreading her legs. And it occurred to me that Angie is like such a tryhard. I mean, love her now because again, bedazzled zip patch. But it occurred to me that Angie is such a tryhard because it gets that scene earlier in the season where she was like, you're the one that opens her legs in your marriage or what I'm like, okay, I, you're trying to do a Nene leaks and it's just, it's not working. Okay. It's not it, but they do bicker back and forth about stuff. And to be honest, I'm not sure what's happening. That's literally what my notes wrote, uh, wrote my notes said, it says, to be honest, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. 
They get to dinner. Um, they order a fuck ton of food. And then there's like some kind of passive apologies. It's very weird. Suddenly Meredith and Angie are like, sure, we'll talk to each other. Again, Meredith is deep, deeply uh, boozed up at this point. Um, and this is where we get into the Whitney Lisa situation. So Lisa says that she didn't know how to handle Whitney's grief poor, very well. And rather than admitting that she is not good at handling Whitney's grief, she is getting mad at Whitney for being a difficult person whose grief is unmanageable. That is so deeply fucked, okay? Again, real life person, what a terrible thing to do. Housewife, exactly the kind of like nonsense that I love. There is this thing that happens on television um, with a lot of reality TV stars. I feel like we've seen this on Vanderpump Rules. We've seen this a lot, right? Which is that a person goes through a traumatic experience and like person A goes through something hard and person B is so caught up in how they will be received in how they respond to person A's trauma that they get mad at person A for being – a person who has experienced trauma. Like rather than giving that person a shoulder to cry on, they're like, well, I don't know how you're going to respond to me giving you my shoulder. So instead, I'm going to get mad at you. And that's ex essentially what Lisa did. But then add on to that, this Heather's comments about Lisa, like like it, it's, it, end, it's ends up being so why it's it's like so strange. So here's my here's my psychoanalysis about Lisa, Whitney, and Heather. I don't know if it's a psychoanalysis, it's just like a reminding everybody of what the situation here is. When they joined the show, it was Heather and Whitney, right? Bad weather cousins all together. And Lisa immediately was like, I want nothing to do with these two other Mormon girls. Cause let's not forget, when we started Real Houses of of Salt Lake City. We had three Mormon girls, Lisa, Heather, and Whitney. We had Jen Shaw, former Mormon, current Muslim, and Mary, Pentecostal pastor lady, and, um, of course, Meredith Marks, Jewish. And so from Jump, we've had this strange sort of dynamic between the three women and how they function with each other and how they sort of – where they sort of – live within the Mormon space, right? You have like three sort of, I've, I've said this many times where you have like three sort of people on a spectrum of Mormonism. You have two girls that were raised hardcore Mormon of Heather and Whitney. Whitney chose to leave Mormonism on her own because she did not like the way that it was structured. Justin was asked to leave, but Justin did nothing to continue to try to build that relationship with the Mormon church. He wanted to leave. Heather was not asked to leave the Mormon. She was she was asked to leave the Mormon church because she no longer had a Mormon husband. It wasn't like she wanted to leave the Mormon church. She would love to be back in the Mormon church, but Whitney made a choice to not go back to the Mormon church. She, I guess because you can like do things to go back to the church. Whitney chose not to, and Heather couldn't because she didn't have a man to associate herself with anymore in the Mormon church. She was a divorced woman, and that that way she lost all her access to Mormonism. And then you have Lisa Barlow, who gets to do whatever she wants, but because she's married to a good Mormon man, 
she gets access to all the Mormon stuff. So you had these three women who have a very different relationship with the Mormon church. And then as a result, they sort of still judge each other based on their relationship with the religion. And I think that for the most part, Whitney and Lisa have a good relationship because Whitney doesn't give a shit that Lisa is still associated with the Mormon church because Whitney has sort of like undone her Mormonism. Like I feel like Whitney has unlearned some of her stuff with Mormonism. And I don't get me wrong. Whitney is super problematic. How she behaves with Mary Cosby is a big issue. I've brought it up before. But for the most part, Lisa and Whitney have a relationship outside of each other's Mormonism. I think that they're like very like much like you're just a person. That's it. Heather still views Whitney and Lisa as Mormon girls or pseudo-Mormon girls. And so she still judges them from the lens of Mormonism. And she still views them from the lens of where they sit in the Mormon spectrum. And I think that like initially when Heather and Whitney came on as like the two rebellious Mormons and Lisa is like the secret sort of drinking Mormon, it was a different situation. But then as the seasons went on, when Whitney and Lisa started to become friends, that drove Heather crazy because all Heather wants is to have access to the Mormonism. And she doesn't have – like she thought she wanted to be like a Whitney and be like, fuck Mormonism, I'm done. But what Heather really wants is access to Mormonism. And through Lisa Barlow, she gets like touches of it and she really badly wants that relationship. But I think she also really struggles with it because she's like, why is Lisa friends with Whitney when Whitney is barely Mormon? But it's like Lisa and Whitney are just friends outside of each other's Mormonism. And I think that like – when Heather can get a chance to get close to Lisa, she will always take that opportunity. She would much rather be friends with a person like Lisa who is who is associated with Mormonism than be friends with somebody like Whitney who actually removes herself from Mormonism. And that's always going to be the pull between the three of them. And so even in the situation where Whitney is like, I don't want to tell you what the relationship between Lisa and I like that Lisa and I have because it would trigger you. I think that she really means is like it would trigger Heather to know that I have this close dynamic, like this close relationship with a Mormon person. You know what I mean? I think that Heather wishes that. And I think to go back to that thing where Heather was like, oh, Whitney says that you're like a better person because we're friends. I think that Whitney, what, what Whitney probably said is, uh, Lisa and I have a good relationship. I think that when you really get to know Lisa one-on-one, -on -one, she's a great person. I feel like when she and I are together, she's very different with me. And I think that's, like, that's probably what Whitney said. And instead, Heather being the shit star that she is, because she doesn't want Whitney and, and Lisa to be friends, she is adding and sprinkling in some mess. And it's just so petty and so hilarious. Um, very, very, not even high school, like third grade. I'm going to say second grade. It's very second grade behavior. I'll, I'm going to go as far as to say preschool. This is preschool behavior, okay? This is preschool behavior. Um, after dinner, Meredith and Monica are winding down. Again, Meredith is now on her third or fourth glass of the biggest goblet of wine I've ever seen. And we get into this whole thing about Monica gets a DM. So the, the, the whole thing is that Monica and Meredith had been bonding and Meredith jokingly said that Angie was part of the Greek mafia. Now, I have to say that in a confessional earlier, Andy, Angie did say 
I could put a hit out on your family. That doesn't really help the mafia allegations, Angie. Angela. I'm going to assume that's her name. What do we think Angie's name is? Is it Angela? Is it Angelina? That seems like, you know what? I'm going to Google this right now. What is Angie K's real name? Let's find out. Salt Lake City, Angie K, real, real name. No, not husband rumors, real name. It's just Angie Katsanevas. Okay, what's her real name though? What do you think I need to look that up? Angie Katsa, this is thrilling stuff, right guys? Just me here misspelling a very Greek last name. What does Angie do? What is her real name? Somebody tell me. Okay, we couldn't figure it out. Sean, you know what? I'm sure I can get to it, but this is going to take a little bit more Googling for me. Anyway, regardless, Angie might be in the Greek mafia. I believe it. It's possible. Do I think that she is like high enough in the Greek mafia to actually be doing anything? No. I think she's just like pseudo connected to the Greek mafia and likes to like say that she's part of the Greek mafia, but I don't think that she actually is. Um, Meredith tells Monica that Angie was part of the Greek mafia. Then something happens where Monica gets a message from Meredith that go and check your DMs. There is somebody who is DMing both of us uh, talking about Angie's financials. And this is all stuff that has happened off camera. And so again, I think what's happening here is Meredith is doing the thing where she sets people up to say the thing on camera. And I've said this before when it was Lisa Vanderpump, and I've said it before even when it was uh, Meredith and Whitney. Nobody has put a gun to your head to make you repeat this information. If you are getting to go on camera then and repeating this information, you are the messenger and everybody's going to kill you. Like you are the messenger that will get killed. And maybe in real life that's not what happens, but on a reality television show that is what happens because you are the only person who is now giving it a full platform for the entire uh, you know, national or international audience to now contemplate whether or not Angie K has financial issues. And by the way, does Angie K have financial issues? Obviously, the house that she lives in that has not a not a not a speck of warmth in it. Is that the house that Jen Shah, right? That's what it was. Jen Shah had her little poker party there for Coach Shah's birthday or something. Right? Is that what they did? Was that Angie K's house? Or was that the other Angie's house? There were two parties. No, this was Angie K's house. And then she went to Jen Shah and she was mad that Jen didn't pay her bills or something. It was a whole thing. What a wild time we've had. Anyway. Monica confronts Meredith about it. Meredith is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Monica's like, oh, okay. So we're going to act like we don't know what we're talking about. But I actually don't believe that. I think Monica is a lot savvier than she's putting out. I think Monica knows exactly what is happening here. I think Monica knows that she was not supposed to repeat this on camera, but because she's noticed that Meredith is fucking hammered, she's using the opportunity to see if she could get under uh, Meredith's skin and try to get this going. And honestly, to me, that's good housewifery. So excited to see where this goes. Let's head over to Miami. Um, I think Miami, this is going to be a quick little recap, but we come back in Miami at Julia's opera event, the fuck cancer event for Martina. Um, at the same time, Lisa is having Lenny troubles. There's a cop situation. I'll get into that later. We also have this Gertie versus dumbass Larsa thing happening, a lot going on. So at this opera event, I have to say, 
Julia's opera performance for Martina was lovely. Like you could really see how appreciative Martina is of Julia and how great that was. Again, I do want to remind everyone that Martina Navratilova is a transphobe. Okay, she's a big time turf. We don't love that. But a union between two people who seem to love each other. Sure, I appreciate that. I do. Um, Lisa comes and we find out that there was this horrific interaction between Lenny, the mother-in-law, the kind of stuff the mother-in-law was saying in front of her kids. It is horrific. It is abusive. It is terrible. And I'm with the girls when they say we got to get Lisa out of this fucking place. Gertie and Larsa kind of have words. Larsa, again, is just a fucking dumbass. At this point, she is questioning if Gertie has cancer at all, which is so fucked up. Um, Larsa's an idiot. I don't understand how, you know, I do understand this world is fucked. I was going to say, I don't understand how we are this, like how people like this get this far in life, but I actually totally understand it. That makes sense to me. That would be what it's like to like fucking exist in this goddamn world. Anyway, um, the party was lovely. Um, Lisa is looking for an apartment. I think recently there was something in the papers, in the papers that said that Lisa's condo is paid for by what's his name? Jordy, Jody, Jody and Lenny. Lenny pays for half and Jody pays for half. Good for you, Lisa. <laughs> um, Julia, Lexi and Nicole go to pick flowers. It's just like a little thing. They're going to go on a Palm Beach trip. Um, it was interesting to see Julia, Alexia and Nicole together. I'm trying to figure out what is making Alexia switch teams and try to buddy up with Nicole so much. Is it because of the Anthony thing? I feel, I truly honestly feel like Anthony has some big shit on Todd. And this is why Alexia is being so nice to Nicole and trying to build this relationship because there's absolutely no other reason why Alexia is suddenly giving a shit about Julia and Nicole. There's no, there's literally no other reason for it. Something is up between Alexia and Todd that this is now the route that Alexia is going. Um, Marisol, Gertie, and Kiki go to lunch and <sighs> Marisol is so fucking annoying. Like for somebody who talks so much about cock and cockies, she's so fucking prude about Kiki talking about getting get dick down. Like, yeah, you can get a UTI from having too much sex. That's not an STD. Marisol, how did these women, again, I totally know how these women have existed so far in, the, in in life. And I love Kiki for saying, if you don't want to hear it, put two dildos in your ear. Good for you. Um, Julia and Alexia are sort of bonding. But again, there is this like weird gay baity dynamic here. Like Alexia is Alexia is definitely viewing her relationship or her friendship with Julia in a way where she's like, I could be friends with you, but like, don't think that this is more than that. Like, yeah, I don't, Julia doesn't want to fuck you. Alexia, relax. It's not like that. Like, that's not how queer pe people exist in the world where they cannot have any friendships, any platonic friendships with people of the same sex because they are attracted to people of the same sex. That's not how that works. It's like the Alexia is also the same type of person that would be like, I cannot have male friends because they all want to fuck me. Like, you know, Alexia is the type. So, of course, she thinks that way about Julia, too, because she's an asshole. Um, the ladies drive to Palm Beach. There's like three cars. It's Lisa, Marisol, Gertie in one, Julia, Alexia, and Larsa in one, and Nicole, Kiki, and Adriana in one. And 
Julia, Alexia, and Larsa, again, is a very interesting mix of people. Like, did the producers decide to put these people together? I'm just trying to understand what the thought process was here in putting all these people together. Um, Marisol and Gertie are trying to give Lisa a little bit of tough love and tell her to, like, get her shit together. And Lisa's like, guys, this is so negative. And it's like, no, that's just the reality of the world, honey. Um, I think Julia, Alexia, and Larsa are doing nothing. I think they were pretending to do opera. And I was like, I really don't want to hear this. And then Nicole, Kiki, and Adriana are just having a great time. They're having the time of their life. Um, they get to the house. There's all these rooms. And the end, the episode ends with Julia and why, how she, the assumptions about why Julia and Alexia won't share room. I think it's interesting. It's like, Alexia, the, the the core of the issue is that you have the OGs sort of with Larsa. Larsa's in space. But you have Alexia, Adriana, and Marisol. Marisol, Adriana would be a thousand times better off if she would just say fuck it with Marisol and, and Alexia and say, I don't want to be your friends. But that's the thing with Adriana. She does want to be their friends. She wants to be friends with Alexia and Marisol. And I think what she needs to know is she doesn't need their friendship, period. It doesn't matter. And Alexia is tied to Marisol in the sense that, and and I think she views Nicole and Julia in the sense that like Alexia will only be friendly with Nicole and Julia as long as she doesn't have to really communicate much with Adriana. And as if Marisol is there, then everybody is like Marisol trumps everybody else. So there's that part of it. But Julia saying. (laughs) assuming why Alexia won't share room and then the whole thing of like, I have to ask Todd for permission. It's so weird. Again, it's so filled with like this assumption that just because a person of an opposite, a a queer person is in a room with a person of the same sex that they want to fuck that person of the same sex. It's weird. It's like a, so presumptive. It's viewing the world in only sexual lenses. It's also weird. It's also like, these are also the type of people that are like women, you know, we're asking for it, like stuff like that. Like, you know that that's exactly the kind of person Alexia is. Alexia is so fucking problematic. So problematic. But also like, Julia, why are you trying to share a room with Alexia? Fuck her. Who cares? Don't fuck her. Because <laughs> that's what Alexia thinks you want to do. But like, don't bother with her. They're they're nuts. Like, they're not normal people. Um. Anyway, speaking of not normal people, let's head over to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where I wrote so many fucking notes, honestly. So many notes. Okay. We're back at Kyle's weed dinner. It's essentially Sutton versus Kyle. And (sighs) Kyle, there's multiple things can be true. Okay. Kyle is the queen of let's be open and honest. She's the queen of digging and asking people questions and all that shit. And not and and getting frustrated when people don't answer. And Sutton is doing the exact same thing to Kyle that Kyle did to everybody. But they're both basically doing the same thing. They're both poking at each other, but like not actually saying anything. You know? Um, and we'll get into what happens with Sutton and Kyle later on, because later on, Sutton is an asshole. But more importantly, there's a scene now with Denise Richards that has gone viral. And I want to talk about this because, like, I have friends who don't watch Housewives. They watch Vanderpump Rules. And they've been like, what the fuck is going on with Denise Richards? I saw this video about her, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it drove me crazy. Now, again, m- multiple things to be true. Denise Richards is very fucked up at this dinner. She's obviously likely over 
uh, lubricated and maybe over-medicated and things like her anxiety maybe kicked in. Um, she maybe had a little zanny and a, a couple of glasses of tequila before she – her little – what is it she has? Tequila. Is it something reposada? I don't know. As I said, I don't really drink. Um, but Denise is obviously drunk and not all here. But when she's talking to Erica, what she's saying to Erica is, you were nice to me. And then suddenly halfway through the season, you switched and you were fucking terrible to me. And Denise doesn't want to have to spell out the lesbian rumors and shit. She doesn't want to have to say Brandy. She doesn't want to have to talk about her kids. She doesn't want to have to bring it all up. All she's looking for is to say, Erica, you and I were cool and then suddenly we weren't and I want to know what happened. But what's fucked up is Erica and Doree and the whole table is fucking gaslighting this woman. Like – Yes, Denise says the weird thing about thank you and you're welcome, but Denise – and she wears a jacket upside down. But these women gaslight her. They're like, Denise, what are you talking about? Denise is like, watch the show. And they're like, what show? What show? The show that you all are filming this instance. Are you? What is going on? Like you are, you are gaslighting her. So then later, when she gets up and she, her jacket is upside down, and she has that really weird interaction with Doree, it's like, yeah, she's reacting this way to you because you guys all gaslit her, and now you're continuing to make her look crazy. Like I, I get what Denise is saying when she's like, stop it. I know what you're doing. It's not about the jacket. I get it. They gaslit her at the dinner table and she's making her look crazy. They're making her look crazier than she already looks on her own. I get it. She already did act crazy and she's acting unhinged. But these women are not her friends and she recognizes that and she's like, I should not have come here. But also she is not all there. In the words of that guy in the back kitchen, Denise Richards is fucked up. And I just like, I wish that people who are watching these videos go viral didn't just like go, oh my God, she's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, she acted unwell, but what's worse is that these women gaslit her into making her think that they don't know what the fuck she's talking about when she's talking about how fucking terrible they were to her. Let's be, let's be real. Okay. Is her jacket upside down? Yes. Is she out of it? Yes. But is she wrong about Erica? No. Is she wrong about Dorit? No. <sighs> Sutton smokes a joint at the table. I don't understand this lady. I really don't. I don't. Anyway, um, Denise leaves and they're all at the bar. They're talking about sleep and Anne-Marie says that her husband only sleeps four hours. And Sutton says, Martha Stewart said four hours also, but she also went to prison. And I thought that was an interesting thing to put in there in a conversation with Anne-Marie. Because here's my theory about Anne-Marie Wiley and how Bravo will likely not edit her out of the season. Unless she stops filming the show herself, I likely believe that Beverly Hills is is exactly the franchise that would have a woman, a, uh, the wife of a famous football player, come on and show her life like it is hunky-dory and then go through a public uh, messy situation with allegations and then force that woman to stay on a television, not force her, but put that, put cameras on this woman as she defends her husband. That is peak Beverly Hills. That is exactly what Beverly Hills has always been. It's these women that live in glitz and glamour 
and say that they have perfect marriages but are actually married to monsters, right? And like Anne-Marie is exactly the kind of person that would be um, the best cast for this show. Now, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, uh, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert, trigger warning. Um, Marcellus Wiley has allegations against him for uh, multiple um, incidences of sexual assault and rape. So um, interesting to see how that goes out, but funny that they mentioned Martha Stewart and going to prison. Anyway, they get back into the kitchen and Dorit tells, or in the bar area, Dorit tells Kyle about the in denial comment and then Kyle confronts um, Sutton about it. And here's the thing. They're both, both of them, like I said, are beating around the bush, okay? Sutton is implying things, and that's a, that's essentially what Kyle has done for years. She's like, well, I don't know what you're saying, but I know that you're not saying all the things that you want to be saying. And Kyle is like, okay, then say what you want to say. And and Kyle is just mad that somebody's playing her game. That's all it is. Like, Kyle isn't in denial that things are bad, Right. So she is saying that, yeah, my marriage hasn't been great. But Sutton is also purposely not asking all the questions. And this is what Kyle has done for years. She will ask somebody a question. They will answer it because she, they'll answer exactly the question that they've that she's asked. And when they answer it, she goes, are you sure? I just want you to be open and honest. That's exactly what Sutton is doing to Kyle in this situation. She's like, Kyle, what's going on with your marriage? And Kyle's like, my marriage is fine, but like, yeah, it's not great. And Sutton's like, okay, well, I think you're in denial, which is basically the Sutton version of, I just want you to be open and honest. That's it. Like, I just feel like something else is going on. Like, that's exactly what Kyle has done for years to everybody. So in this situation, when she starts to lose it, and starts to say wild stuff, insinuating eating disorders, that is because Kyle is losing her mind and she's not in control. And she knows exactly the medicine that she's being served here. And it is her own. She's getting a taste of her own medicine is what I'm trying to say. Um, Kyle says something about, like, this is where she says something about commenting on her food issues, right? Because she's, Sutton has said uh, that Kyle is working out too much. So what's up with that? So Kyle is like, well, I think that you don't eat enough. So what's up with that? And then Sutton says that she has an esophagus issue where she can't swallow things. It's a real medical condition. But then she cuts to the confessional and she says something like, I don't call out Kyle for how she doesn't drink. Well, why aren't you drinking, Kyle? What happens when you drink too much, Kyle? What's going on? I'm like, but you did call her out for her drinking. Like, you both are doing the exact same thing to each other. Sutton behaved erratically, and Kyle said, what's going on? Is everything okay? I feel like something else is going on. And then Sutton said, okay, well, I have some stuff going on, but what's going on with you? Your behavior is changing too. You're acting a different way too. What's up with that? Like they're both literally doing the exact same thing to each other. And they do this to each other the whole entire dinner. And I, I can't believe I'm defending Kyle, but Kyle did defend herself about not drinking and why she doesn't drink and why her lifestyle has changed and how her marriage isn't great, right? Like I, Kyle has said it, but the whole thing is that Sutton keeps poking at it being like, well, I think something else is going on. But that's again, like I said, exactly what Kyle does when she says, I just want you to be open and honest. Um, and also essentially, I think both of them are being as like Sutton is being as evasive as Denise was to be like, well, you know what you did. Like 
it's just say this is again it's so frustrating as like a human being to watch this but as a reality television viewer i'm like it's so funny to watch you two dummies just fight each other and do the exact same thing um but then Sutton says, you already lost two sisters. You don't want to lose a third. That's fucked up, Sutton. That is fucked up. And then t- things turn into a whole conversation about Kathy Hilton. And like, I'm sorry. None of this is surprising to me. Is Kathy Hilton a fucking nut job? Yes. She's a fucking nut job. And it is likely that she has yelled at everyone and everyone is afraid of her. I do not doubt for a minute that some of the shit that Lisa Rinna said about Kathy and all the erratic shit she said, yes, I believe that she said those things. Do I think that she was like knocking over things and, you know, incredible hulking around the Aspen house? No. But like Kathy yelling at Sutton and then Sutton being afraid of getting Kathy mad at her. Yeah, I think that that's real. And I think that Kat Kyle has likely dealt with that her whole life. She's dealing with it right now. And Kyle wasn't great to Kathy on the show. You know what I mean? But like for Sutton to be like, you already lost two sisters. It's interesting because, of course, we have that scene later of Kim Richards showing up. So Kyle being like, I didn't lose another sister. I have a sister. She's there. <laughs> but it is fucked up of Sutton to do that. Sutton. You can't blame it on the weed because you're just an asshole. Everyone leaves and things are really awkward. Erica com- comforts Kyle. And she's like, you're my friend. I'm like, are are you she? Because you didn't really defend her, but okay. Um, the next day, Kyle visits Amory Wiley. They play pickleball and they talk shit about Sutton. And I don't like it when medical professionals come on television and poke fun at people's mental – like m- poke pe- – oh. Poking fun at people's mental health issues is one thing, but poking fun at people's physical health things. Like, Amory's like laughing along with Kyle about Sutton's esophagus issues. Now, listen, I'm sure she's got some throat stuff, right? Fine. But Sutton also, in a very Meredith Marks way, does this thing where she does certain things and then she's like, well, I have a reason for it. It's just really hard for me. Like, that's what Sutton does. And I, in real life, it is annoying. Um, but when you have it, when you're on a platform like this, like you're not really supposed to be making fun of people's like medical issues, especially if you are in the medical profession. Um, at the same time, Garcelle, Crystal, Sutton, and Denise go to lunch and they re- recap the weed dinner. And it's fine. And this time around, Denise is fully aware and she's really being clear about what she, what the issue was with Erica. And it goes to, to prove that Denise in that moment, what it's not like she was just like, she didn't have a point. She had a point. She just wasn't in the right state of mind to be making that point, likely because she was nervous. Um, we have this scene with Dorit and PK. They talk about the weed dinner. And they're really mad about Garcelle and Sutton coming for Kyle's marriage. Um, I mean, Garcelle, yes, she does piggyback on the things that Sutton is saying. But Garcelle and Kyle are perfectly fine. It is interesting to me that Dorit, any time, any chance she gets, loves to rope Garcelle into things. Like, no, just be mad at Sutton. Be mad at Sutton. Be directly mad at Sutton. You don't have to blame Garcelle for that. Like, it was mostly Sutton doing the shit that she was doing. We also learned that Dorit is a weirdo homeschooler. Doesn't surprise me at all, in the least. Okay. Um, 
Kim and Kyle, this is when Kim Richards comes and Kim, Kyle, and Dorit go on a walk. We get an, an update on Kim's life and that Kyle hasn't seen Paris' baby because of all the drama with Kathy. Kim has been painting murals in her home. And it must be nice to be a wealthy white woman, to be able to <laughs> live a life like this comfortably. I want to be that kind of rich. I want to be that kind of rich where I get to have like this eccentric life where like I'm like, yeah, I just like stay indoors and paint my walls. <laughs> and then my really wealthy family being like, yeah, that's a good job. <laughs> oh, bless Kim. Um, I also wonder like so this the, the episode really ended with like Kyle and Kyle talking about like her relationship with Kathy and everything like that. But I do wonder if Kyle and Mauricio's marriage is also impacted by this Kathy thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mauricio doesn't help Kyle in mending things with Kathy. Like, I think that as far as Kyle is concerned, as far as Mauricio is concerned, his life is better when Kyle is not involved with Kathy. And I think that that has always been an issue. Because remember last season when they were all in Aspen, you could tell how much like Mauricio fucking hates Kathy. And so I feel like I I wonder if that's up an aspect of it too. Where when if I'm complaining to my partner about my fraught relationship with my sibling, my partner is always going to be on my side. But to some degree, at some point, you do want your partner to help you mend that. And I wonder if that's something that she was looking for from Maurizio and he didn't give that to her. Um, I'm also wondering when this like Morgan Wade stuff is going to kick off because we saw some of it, but like I just want to try to understand what's going on in the marriage here and where Morgan plays a part in all of this um, because I've psychoanalyzed it as much as I could. Um, but yeah, uh, great three episodes, very good television, I have to say. Um, Rahazos of Potomac is about to be on shortly this evening. And then, um, so I'll be back later this week to talk to my brother and talk to Arthi. And I'm going to have Taria from What Else is Going On on uh, this week as well. And we're going to do like a full Bravo roundup. Like I think we're going to talk about it all. We might even talk a little bit about what's going on in the world together. So look forward to that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.